What's going on, everybody? This is Justin coming to you live from Ballard, Seattle, Washington. It is another sad day in what was a phenomenal year. Uh, our Zags lost 31-1. and We're here to recap the UCLA Final Four game, which is a top five NCAA tournament moment, as well as the unfortunate events that occurred on Monday. As always... I'm here with my co-host Jake and special guest Zane. Boys, how we doing? Oh, you know, we're getting by. We're getting by. That, that's all we can say, I think. But we still have each other, and um, you know, we're the podcast. This was the podcast first loss, so we will survive. Yep. Uh, special guest Zane here. <clears throat> um. I'm finally emotionally stable enough to actually look back and appreciate uh, the terrific season we had. Um, it t- definitely took me some time to get to get to that place, um, but I'm here now. Uh, and you know, someone once said, you know, we made terrific friends at Gonzaga. And they may have said that drunkenly, but you know, this loss will not take away our friendship. Absolutely. Absolutely. There are many ships in the sea, but my favorite ship is friendship. Um, We got a great show for you guys. Uh, As always, we run through some sports headlines this week. There's already so many things up in the air, which we are going to discuss. I mean, it's it's madness. We really do only sleep in May. Um, So we'll get you guys caught up there. Then we discuss the games, um, UCLA really quickly, and then talk a little bit about Baylor. Mark Vidal is already throwing some shots at our Zags. Uh, it's a little unfortunate, but we'll touch on that. And then we'll do a little full season review. We'll probably dive more into it as more news comes out later on, uh, but just want to kind of recap the season. It was a great year. And then talk a little bit of sad songs, songs that you want to listen to when you're sad. As always, we're joined by our lovely interns, Coop, Dan, and Zambi. I'm sure Baja's in there somewhere. Now let's kick this thing off. Coop, take us away. What's going on, fellas? Well, we'll just keep riding this uh, bad news. Um, of course, Baylor knocked off our Zags 86-70, uh, putting our season record at 31-1. and Boys, just initial knee-jerk reactions before we really do a deep dive. Um, Hollow. How, how I felt after that game. That was just woof. You know, you're still proud of the team. Amazing season, but it's going to, it's going to take a while to get over this one. Yeah. <clears throat> Jake, Jake said it best. Hollow, um, empty, um, numb. Uh, I, I stayed till the end, watched, watched the full, the full thing. I know quite a few people who signed off early, but I stayed till the end. I really wanted to see the, uh, the one shining moment video. That's my favorite part of the tournament every single year. Um, and I, I, it took like 30 minutes to get to the one shining moment video, even after the game ended, which was just, it just kept on like forcing the sadness. It forced me to drink more. It was just, it was so, so sad. And then like, honestly, one shining moment this year, it wasn't that great. It like kind of a, kind of a, not well edited video, I'd say. Definitely not up to the standards of the a few too many podcast video editing skills. Absolutely. Yeah, I think you guys have hit it right on the head. Just a lot of emptiness, questioning my own reality, just being sad. That's all I got. 
right, move us on, Coop, before we start climbing. <laughs> yeah, we don't need to, to dwell on this any further. Um, moving on to some more uh, concerning news. Uh, Arizona and Sean Miller, quote unquote, part ways with their uh, favorite candidate being no other than Tommy Lloyd. Boys, what are we thinking here? Of course, it happens this week is what I'm thinking, because uh, that would be such a bummer if after we lose the championship, like four days later, we get news that we lose like, you know, our heir apparent and Tommy Lloyd. I don't know if it's my Gonzaga bias. I don't know if it's just utter denial, but like, I'm just kind of refusing to believe that this news has any sort of like true validity to it. Not in the sense that Tommy Lloyd wouldn't make a great head coach. I think uh, he would make a great head coach right now. He would have made a great head coach probably five years ago. Um, That being said, uh, he, he it's, this isn't like the first time that another team has sought out, uh, Tommy Lloyd. Uh, Mike Roth came out today and said there were three others this year alone uh, where this has happened. Sure, Arizona is thought to be a coveted, uh, you know, job. It's a blue blue blood in the West Coast. Um, there's definitely the backdrop of the NCA investigations right now, and I think FBI as well. Is that still is that still lingering? So I mean, I'm curious to see what role that plays. Um, ultimately Tommy Lloyd's going to do what's best for him. And I think that's what all Zags fans should uh, be ready for. That being said, I mean, this is the guy who goes to, you know, kids homes trying to recruit them to go to Gonzaga. And he has been selling this family culture that we hear about nonstop as Gonzaga fans. We heard Jalen Suggs talk about it nonstop. Even if this opportunity comes, you have to imagine that if Tommy Lloyd is able to sell that, he believes it. And he actually thinks there's something special about Gonzaga University that, that sets itself apart from places like now Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina, and of course, Arizona. So I'm holding out hope. Um, I'm not going to believe anything until I hear anything. Um, and so that's where I'm at. Zambi, what do you got? Yeah, so... <clears throat> I honestly can't see Tommy leaving for Arizona. Um, as we mentioned, the pending um, investigation, there's definitely going to be some sanctions. And one, I fucking hate U of A. Two, it's the armpit hole of Arizona. It's like, would I rather live in Spokane or Tucson? hundred <laughs> times I'm picking Spokane. The only down, downside is that the Mexican food isn't as good. And... True. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, Tucson, it's an armpit. It's basically northern Mexico. And the biggest thing about this that I'm bummed out about is we're getting those Sean Miller super sweaty dress shirts taken out of our lives. It always makes me feel better about my pit sweat. Tommy, this thing. <laughs> That's a great point. I, I think, just real quick, um, I see both sides of, of the arguments. I think without these FBA allegations, FBI allegations. Wow. I've been talking too much today. Um, I think it's a no brainer for Tommy. However, this is this bar, you know, him either getting the Gonzaga job or say a UNC Duke Kentucky type offer. This is top, top of the line. Um, you have to remember the boosters. There's so much money. It's a massive state school. 
Um, basically, the world is his, is his oyster, and opportunities like this just don't come up often. So I see both sides of the coin. Selfishly, I want him to stay. Uh, there's going to be a lot of rebuilding need to be done at Arizona, but Tommy's young enough to withstand that. And, um, you know, he might see that opportunity and just kind of lick his chops. But there's a lot of politics around that program. And um, I think it, it's probably not worth the headache, especially with the demands like their players are making and the boosters are making. It sounds a little ridiculous. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's kind of a hectic situation, but we'll pass it off to Zane here. I'm, I'm curious what you guys think. Um, cause, cause a lot of this kind of just comes with speculation about how long Mark few will be at Gonzaga. Right. And I, I think if you think like, okay, if he's going to be there for longer than a, did I just cut out for a second? You did. If he's going to be longer for what? Sorry. If, if, if Mark few, if you know, Mark few is going to be at Gonzaga for 10 plus years, then in my head, it just makes sense for him to start his career as a head coach. But if it's, if it's like, if Mark few comes out and says, Hey buddy, I'm here for five more years. Like it's going to take him five years to build a program at Arizona. Whereas he just inherits it. It just on a silver platter for him. He's got the financial compensation that he wants. And so I, I think a lot of it just comes down to the unknown about like how long is Mark Few going to be the coach at Gonzaga? Yeah, I'm, I don't know if this is a hot take, but I think if we had won the championship, I think Tommy Lloyd would have been more likely to go to Arizona because he would have kind of felt like, you know, he did everything. He helped take Gonzaga to the top and then, you know, he could leave job well done. Now I'm going to go, you know, kind of restart a new game at Arizona and try to build that culture for a while. But I think with this loss, I think he, I think he has to stay, or I think he's going to stay. You, you got to imagine that Fuey and Tommy are having some sort of conversation about like, all right, dude, you got to tell me like, what's your timeline Few, you like, how long, how long are you thinking? Uh, and I, I really do think that's going to be the ultimate decision because it sounds like if it were Gonzaga or Arizona, Tommy would probably pick Gonzaga. We, we think we hope. Um, and so I, I don't know. We'll have to see time will tell, I guess. Yeah. I'm sure we'll be paying a close eye to this in the coming weeks, but moving on, on a more lighter notes, we have no other than Paul Pierce, a ESPN NBA analyst going on Instagram live. I believe this past Saturday with what is believed to be uh, female escorts and proceeding to lose his job I think yesterday <laughs> so wild turn of events for Mr. Pierce I mean it's so funny like you know when like when we were like 13 and you're in school and like you have those like you know big conferences or like assemblies talking about like don't post stupid stuff on your social media like they should have that for athletes or anyone who works in the media which I'm sure they do but pay attention because that so stupid, but it did make me smile a bit. So I appreciated that for this week. Yeah. To me, this is one of those stories where it's going to be news for like a week or two. And then Paul Pierce is going to pick up another job at Fox sports or at barstool sports. And he's just going to be doing fine for himself. Um, kind of a, like a hilarious video. If you, if you kind of analyze it, um, it looks like they're at a poker table, right? And there's like a, a stripper dancing behind them because at one point 
people outside the camera that are presumably playing poker are throwing chips, like making chips rain on the stripper that is dancing on the ground behind Paul Pierce. Uh, hilarious video. Also, you know, wild to think Paul <laughs> Pierce has uh, a wife that he's been married to for 11 years and uh, two daughters and a son. Oh. So just kind of like, kind of just a, a wild boys weekend, I guess. Yeah, uh, that was that was pretty wild. Was Lou Williams there? <laughs> <laughs> was there a little chicken? No, wing but there were definitely hot wings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there were some hot wings. <laughs> hot wings and some puppies. Hot wings, right? troopers, baby. Nothing, nothing like it. Um, and to close this week out, we got the Masters this week, fellas. Um, golf's biggest event, and you know, you know who's hot right now? No other than Jordan Spieth, baby. Coming off a big win in in, in San Antonio, gotta love it, boys. Who who are, who who are you guys taking? Well, well, quick quick question for you, real quick, Coop. How confident are you that Jordan Spieth wins the Masters this year? I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, outside of last week, I mean, he has I think several other top five finishes this year. He's playing well. He's got that confidence back. Um. I mean, I think he, I think he finishes top five if he doesn't win. What, what are what are his odds? Are you are you putting money on him to win it? Uh, uh oh, sorry, dude. You want the odds, Coop? Yeah, Jake, give me give me give me the odds here. Uh, ten to one for Jordan Spieth. Oh shit! So he has the second best odds. Dustin Johnson it, is better with nine to one. <laughs> Do it, Coop. Hundred dollars on Spieth right now. Considering how much money I lost over the course of the tournament, I don't think it's my best interest. So, um, I think I'll be uh, – we're just a fan this weekend. But I think he has a good shot. Yeah. I have a feeling um, – I think – I'm going for a DeChambeau. Sorry, Zambi, you go for uh, it. No worries. I was going to say the same thing. But I do have a dark horse. John Rahm. Ooh, I don't have any evidence to support it, but I just have a feeling. Who is John Rom? <laughs> oh, come on, Jake. You don't know John Rom? No. Who is he? <laughs> name, tell me three things about John Rom, Zane. He's a golfer. He's probably right-handed. Pretty, pretty. Uh, he's chonk, dude. Yeah, oh. he, he's he's chonk for sure. Ooh. Big boy. He also spells John J O N. Oh, that's um, <laughs> I'm going for broken legged tiger. I think he makes a huge comeback. Just <laughs> oh god, it'll be like that scene in Forrest Gump, you know, when he learns how to run, but on the golf course. Yep, yep. Well, to me, to me, the Masters brings about what I call nap time season. Perfect nap time sports are starting to emerge in America. You got baseball, obviously one of the best nap time sports out there, especially if it's not your team. Sometimes if it's your team, you get that Sunday, like one o'clock game, perfect nap game. Um, golf is just, the Masters is the ultimate nap, nap event. Uh, pretty, pretty routinely every year, I watch like the first, I watch the final group on Sunday, tee off, um, I sleep through holes five through 15 and then I catch a wild three holes to end it. That's actually kind of a representation of my golf game as well. Now that I think about it. 
Yeah, should be uh, pretty electric. But yeah, that's this week's headlines, fellas. Alrighty. Well, we'll go ahead and pass it off to myself for the Gonzaga basketball segment. I have loved Gonzaga from the first time I saw him. I mean, it's just too much depth, too much size, too much experience, and a winner's mentality. Numbers for the Zags. Lob and the finish for Kispert. Kispert. He's got over a thousand points in his career. Look at Drew Timmy. Oh, Timmy, man. My guy, Timmy. Timmy spins oh, Timmy, left and Timmy, does it Timmy. again. Timmy, again. Shot. Oh, Timmy, what are we seeing here? Kevin the God Day. Timmy. Go, 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 go. Shot fake. In tight. Quent comes over and one. Wow. One eight close. Now Suggs behind the screw from Timmy. Jalen Suggs switches hand. Timmy gets the follow with a chance at a three-point play. Steal by Suggs and he's pushed. Nope. And this will be a flagrant. He was pushed. Nope, nope, nope. And nope, nope. This, now you have Anton Watson come in and shove Harkless. Sweet 16 again for Gonzaga. And now four wins from the most special season since the spirit of 76. The Zags watch on. All right, we're back with the Gonzaga basketball segment for this week. Obviously, a lot happened. First up, the final four matchup between UCLA and Gonzaga. Gonzaga won 93 to 90. Absolute instant classic. Um, and you guys are lucky enough that we have an eyewitness account on hand right here. Our very own Daniel and Serpy. Dan, tell us about that moment in person. Well, let me preface by saying that that shot from Jalen Suggs is why I sound like I do still however many days later. Uh, the most unbelievable thing I've ever experienced in my entire life. To set the stage for that, I was also in attendance in 2017, San Jose, when Jordan Matthews hit his shot. That shot is now completely erased out of my memory. There is one shot in Gonzaga history, and it is Jalen freaking Suggs, man. Just, I've, I had an out-of-body experience reacting to that shot. I started running down the section I was in it at the top of Lucas Oil, only Zags fans. I was high-fiving people I had never seen before. Mask on, mask on. Um, and then I just sat in the seats and cried for 10 minutes, and I didn't know why. And Do you remember, do you remember FaceTiming us, Dan? <laughs> yes, absolutely. But I'm telling you, the – that, that Jordan Matthews moment, like, I wasn't in the same level of uh, alcohol consumption on that game. I was with my mom at that one. So I kind of blacked out on the Matthews shot. The similar thing happened with Suggs, but some could argue that there were other factors that may have contributed to uh, the memory slipping away just a tad. But, no, I mean, that entire game, like, you're in that arena, you see what Baylor did to Houston, and you're like, all right, we're going to make quick work UCLA. They had a great run, and then they just don't go away. Then all of a sudden, they have a chance to win the game regulation. Drew Timmy takes a charge, we survive, and just that get, and we get to OT, and it's like, all right, we're going to take care of it. And then the fact that it still came down to Suggs, and then he's on the scorer's table, and you're like, all right, we got to go win a title now on Monday. Um, that game was just incredible. In the concourse after the game, everyone's just 
big old biggest we are gu chant i've ever heard uh not in spokane washington um just unforgettable moment so grateful i was in attendance yeah and just what? to just to piggyback off of that i dan mentioned the the timmy charge but you also had um the suggs block and then dime to timmy for the dunk going in the overtime you had the nemhard three um just some huge key key plays in that game. I mean, what are your guys' thoughts? Like, is there a moment that stands out aside from Sug's shot that was the most important component of the game, or what? What do you guys think? Um, I would say you you had, I'd say the second biggest like holy shit play was the <clears throat> Suggs block and pass to Timmy, which was just pretty much like combining the LeBron James block in the finals with then following up with like the best pass of the season. And then I would also say that poster dunk uh, Kispert had off that bounce pass from um, Ayayi. I think that's like the prettiest offense Zag, the Zags had. Like it was just so crisp. And then we had like the athleticism to do that. And I was just like, oh man, that is so cool. Yeah, I, I would have to I'd have to go with all, all of these are great moments, by the way. There's no right answer to this. Um, but the the charge, Timmy's charge to me was was absolutely uh, uh, that, that kept that allowed us to go to overtime, in my opinion, because guys got four fouls uh, when when Juzing is driving on that play. If you, I, I heard this on the uh, I, I on College Basketball podcast, and they were saying if you paused the game, if you had the ability to pause the game as Juzing is driving to the basket, you probably give UCLA around like an 85% chance to win that game, the way they're shooting and, and making baskets at the rim. <clears throat> and then even with Timmy stepping up, I mean, so many things could have gone wrong. He could have got called for his foul, Juzang makes the free throws, we lose. Or he could have got called for the foul. Juzang misses the free throws and we don't have Timmy in overtime and we probably lose. Um, and so to me, that is just a massive, massive moment. Um, overall, though, this game for me in particular was just an incredible experience. Um, just an emotional roller coaster. Uh, I had just uh, proposed like 26 hours before this game. I had Courtney's family. I had my family all together all this zag energy in just one in one room. You've probably seen the video uh, on, on our Twitter page by now. Um, no big deal. We got like almost 7,000 uh, views, but uh, just like uh, so much joy. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to see like so many cool freaking sports moments, like the Bush push um, and just, Oh, this, <laughs> this is by far, by far the peak. And the fact that like everyone I'm friends with, and like my family can celebrate it with just makes it that much more special. Nice little flex. There's a couple flexes in that rant. I like it. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, I think the most unique thing for me in this game uh, was the Suggs block. And truth be told, I was watching with six other people who didn't go to Gonzaga. So they didn't really like get my stress until about two minutes in or two minutes left. They were like, oh, God, this is a close one. Uh, but what was so funny is on that play where Suggs made that block, you know, Ju I think it was Juzang read the play perfectly. Riley slipped perfectly. And everyone around me was just like, oh, like you could hear the sigh. And they're like, it should be an easy bucket. And I was like, 
wait a sec. And I saw Suggs take a step and I was like, he's going to try and block this. Goes up for the block. I just, that was such a phenomenal play of, or, or display of Suggs's competitiveness and his like never quit attitude. I mean, it was awesome. And then the, the pass, phenomenal. Uh, but all those plays we've, we've talked about, so big, making an all-time, probably the best Gonzaga game of all time, no questions asked. And just overall, really cool moment to be a part of Gonzaga Nation. But let's move on. Um, UCLA's in the past, and something bigger happened this Monday. <laughs> Unfortunately, Gonzaga lost um, to Baylor. And Baylor was the better team that night. I don't think any of us will argue or dispute that. But I'm going to go ahead and pass it off to Jake. Jake, give me a, a juicy instant reaction from this game. Instant reaction? I think, obviously, I was devastated we lost for, like, the season implications, like, for the perfect season and, obviously, the national championship. But I felt robbed just because we didn't even have a game, like, in the national championship. Like, I think there was only like six minutes of that game I was able to enjoy. And that was like at the very beginning before we were down nine. And then like towards the end of the first half when we were like making our run and then everything else, it was just disappointment and anger and frustration and disbelief and the slow acceptance of we're not going to win. And it didn't feel great. Yeah. Definitely. Zane, what do you got for us? Yeah. So, wow. I mean, this game was tough. Like it was just so tough. I've, I've like probably played it in my head a million times, like what take I was going to give for this game. Um, And anyone who's watched a game with me, you guys know the range of emotions is just all over the place. Just pure anger in those first like 10 minutes of the first half. Um, and, and that, so that was, I wasn't sad yet. I was just angry. I was angry because like, you just got to say it how it is. We came out so flat and we just could not match the energy that Baylor brought to that game. And whether that's Baylor just, you know, at, at, on that given night, a better team or, or whether it's carryover from the UCLA game, we didn't have the energy to match Baylor. And that was so frustrating to me. Um, and you could see that with like the offensive rebounds that we were giving it uh, up. So, but then uh, you know, we were talking in our group chat. If we could just get it to 10 by halftime, like that almost feels like we're we're winning in a sense, just with how bad the start was. We bring it within 10 and I am just ecstatic at half. I'm I'm running around, I'm texting people. Oh, you should have taken us out. You left us alive and now you're gonna pay for it. And then just second half was just like kind of the same, same thing. We couldn't make up the ground. We got it to nine at one point, and and then that's that was even worse because I had a hope. I had that false hope uh, and, and, and that anger quickly turned to sadness in the last like eight minutes uh, because that's, you knew it was over with eight minutes to go. And and you're lying to yourself if, if you, if you thought we still had a chance at that point, and that doesn't make you a bad fan for knowing that it's over. It just, it wasn't our night and it was Baylor's night. And so that was kind of my full, full experience for that game. Sure, sure. And I can pass it off to Dan right here to give us his eyewitness testimony on what happened there. Yeah, you guys have hit it pretty well, but um, I will say that there was a much more nervous energy amongst the Zags fans that were there uh, in Indy on Monday. We all knew 
what we were about to get into with Baylor. There was excitement, of course, and everyone believed we were going to win. We were going to win an Addy, but you just knew that Baylor was going to bring it, and it wasn't going to be what people thought was going to happen in the UCLA game. So we were buckled up for, you know, 40-minute heavyweight fight, and after I fist-bumped John Stockton to get into the stadium, I was feeling good. I was like, all right, Zags can come out. We're going to take it to him early. And then I, I'm in the Gonzaga section again, and no one made a sound for the first, like, four minutes as we're just watching Baylor get offensive rebound after offensive rebound. Jalen picks up two fouls, and I'm just like, oh, God, this is an absolute nightmare start. Um, but then as the game kind of goes on, you, you, you just know the firepower we have. And you just think that, all right, oh, we need, we need this, we need this 6-0 run. This guy was sitting next to uh, coached against Jalen in high school. And he said that in like a state championship game or something, his team got out to like a 21 to five run. And then Suggs brought him back and they ended up winning by like 15. So we're like, all right, let's just channel that again. Let's just do that again. Jalen's throwing his heart out there, doing everything he could. But man, we could just never get over the hump. It reminded me a ton of the Florida State game in the tournament a couple of years ago where we kind of got blitzed right away, but you're like, all right, all we need is just one thing to go our way, kind of find some momentum. I thought it was coming towards the end of the half. And then at halftime, I texted you guys. My eyes were on Corey Kispert shooting during the half. Corey went 17 of 21 from three-point line during halftime. I was like, all right, it's going to carry over. He's going to give us a Kispert flurry like he did in the WCC title against BYU. And we just couldn't find it, and we couldn't guard Jared Butler. And then it was all over when Mark Vidal had that block on one end, Flagler hits the three, and you're just like, wow, this is it. We battled. What a year. And then you just kind of soak it in, and it just is going to make when we do win it so much sweeter, like after experiencing 2017 in this one. Yeah, that's a really great point. Um, I think, you know, honestly, the game plan for to beat this Gonzaga team is to blitz them to have that incredibly hot first half or first 10 minutes. And Baylor had that. And they had the guys to match us for the rest of the game, which a lot of teams that had tried that or, you know, basically you have to kind of pull that off to have a chance. Um, they didn't have the athletes. They didn't have the skill to hold us off. Baylor did. They're probably the only team in the country that could. Um, but let's move on. Um yeah, I guess we can just dive into, you know, what was the key to Baylor's success? I can give my take really quick. I think, honestly, they had an edge to them that Gonzaga just didn't have. We've obviously all heard of, you know, Mark Vidal's running his mouth, and that's – I get it. You can be cocky. Um, he's being a little unprofessional by, you know, giving away some of the details that they had, in my honest opinion. Um so I'd love to hear, you know, Gonzaga's thoughts on on that, if that's actually true, what they said. Um, in his contacts, he basically said that Gonzaga, he had heard, he and his teammates had heard Gonzaga were buying champagne, bottles of champagne before the game, um, you know, kind of giving them the idea that they think they're going to win. I don't know. That doesn't really sound like the Gonzaga way to me, boys. But at the end of the day, they had an edge for one reason or another, that Gonzaga just didn't have. You can see it in their faces. You can see it how they're playing. And, you know, sometimes that just happens. And when a team like Baylor comes at you with their A-plus game, if you're not going to give them that effort back, they're going to stomp you on the ground. It's kind of that simple. Um, but what do you guys think on, you know, Baylor's success? 
I mean, this is probably the most simplistic answer, but it's just, it's just rebounding. I mean, when you combine that they had 22 offensive rebounds, so are nine, and they shot 43% from the three, that just basically means it's like over half their threes, like they're getting some points off them. Because it's either in or they probably got the rebound for it. So it's like that. there's no way you can come back from a slow start with that. So, I mean, I think if you had this was your first basketball game you ever watched, you would watch that game. You'd be like, huh, like Gonzaga should really try grabbing the basketball like after that miss. And I think it plays into a lot of what you said and we've touched on on like just the effort. I think Baylor just had that energy and we can all, you know, conjecture why it was missing. But sometimes, you know, the other team just has more energy and that and sucks for us. I was in the championship. Yeah, um, I would I would add my what I credit to Baylor's success here is simply just like the first like eight minutes of that game. It was it if you look at the score after the first um, eight minutes, it's a relatively like even ish game. And the second half, they only outscored us by six points. So the second half was very, very close. Um, and, and then after it, it was just that like 17 to four like sprint that they got out to, we just could never um, make that up. And, and we, we kind of saw this like a, a couple of times uh, during the regular season where like teams would get out to like quick starts on us. We'd have like a kind of slow start. Um, and you know, you can, you can make that kind of ground up against teams like Pacific teams like BYU, but man, Baylor's just a different breed and they, they play a phenomenal style of defense where they're just on your hip from the moment you touch the ball until you give it up. Uh, and then they're only a foot away from your hip when you don't have the ball. So I, I mean, just really hats off to Baylor. I mean, they found an edge, they played with it. They, they out hustled us to a lot of 50, 50 balls. Uh, and then when, once they got the lead, you know, they did what other teams couldn't do and they kept the lead. They held us down. Um, and so just a great, a great season for Baylor and, and really a great game for them. Yeah. I think uh, for me, the biggest X factor for Baylor, and this doesn't have so much to do with the game, but more so storyline off the court was just the fact that, all three of Baylor's main guards, and if you want to include Mark Vidal, they all came back for this. You know, they could all left last year after when everything went down with COVID and gone either to play professionally or overseas, but they all said, no, we want to come back. We're on a mission. And they did that. And for us, our really only a returning senior with tournament experience was Kispert. And unfortunately, I can't say that he played to the level that he's fully capable during this tournament. And um, all three of Baylor's guards did. And that, to me, was a huge difference maker. I think you guys, again, are hitting all of, the, all of it right, right on the head. I think it's a combo of that edge that they brought and then just they made every single play they needed to, whether it was they would hit the open shots, they were hitting contested ones. They were hitting when Macy Oteague was in the middle of the zone, little floaters. Uh, they played with an edge and had the shot making that few teams could have to beat us. UCLA almost gave us that blueprint with the way they were able to efficiently operate and just how tough they played. 
BYU showed us, if you shoot the lights out, you have a chance. But if you can't match that with the way, with how tough you play, we're going to get you. Baylor never did that. And uh, the other thing, too, is after the game, like, I was just fascinated to know kind of what Baylor fans were thinking going into the game. And I was asking a couple I saw, I was like, like, did you guys see this coming at all? Like, did you think you were just going to kill us? And they're like, absolutely not. Like, we thought our speed and athleticism was going to, you know, be a bit of a challenge. But no Baylor fan was comfortable until Scott Drew emptied the bench because they knew what we were capable of offensively. Um, but, you know, they, they just played a perfect game and we played our worst game of the season. Hey, Dan, Dan, real quick question for you. Speaking of, like, the Baylor fans, uh, I've, I've kind of heard a lot that, like, that stadium was just packed to the brim with Baylor fans. I think Brandon Lim uh, like texted or like posted on Twitter. That's like 80% Baylor fans there. Is that, is that what you experienced? Yeah, it was, it was heavy tilt Baylor. Got to give it B Lim a shout out though, because that dude booked a last minute ticket from Hawaii to come to Indy to watch the Zags play for a natty B Lim Zag of the year. Back Uh, surgery too. Back surgery. Back surgery and all. But wow. no, I mean, Baylor fans traveled well. Um, it's obviously a little closer. Like, you could drive from Waco in 14 hours, apparently. Still quite a long drive, but <laughs> it's not coming from Spokane. Um, also, I don't think Texas has ever cared about COVID stopping yeah. anybody from doing anything. So, Baylor fans were out there in force. The Zags showed up. Um, one positive I can take is when we do win it all, it'll be in front of a full arena with tons of Zag fans and it won't be just, you know, half full 25%. Um, so yeah, that's my take on the fan situation. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know if we want to touch on this too much, but guys, what's, what's one thing that you credit for the Zags defeats? Um, I think it was just kind of a perfect storm. Once they had that run, you guys had already mentioned it a couple of times. I think Dan said it, but, they made every play they needed to make to not make us feel like we were getting close. Um, but Coop, what do you have for us? Yeah, I think just one of the biggest things that I think contributed to us just not performing was the whole emotional come down after UCLA game. And Adam Morrison kind of alluded to it during his interview. And for me, I think an analogy that is applicable to that whole thing is just, um, going to Vegas with your boys and, you know, walking in on a Saturday, hitting the tables, you're winning, you're up big that night. You hit the clubs, you got Diplo chain smokers. You're popping bottles, just having a good time, maybe indulging in some party favors. I don't know. Um, just having a, having a, having a hell of a night. And then come that Monday, you're back at work and your boss says you got to report to you. And that's exactly what this was. Uh, UCLA was our Vegas night and then Monday we got just dicked by our boss and that was Baylor so um, it's shitty but that's what happens yeah I'll I'll make my point real quick because I, I initially I thought it was like the and I already touched on this a little bit with like our first half lulls I think there's something to be said about that I don't I don't know how it felt different than our other games this year where we had like weird first half starts because we were just a lot of those games were just missing shots that were good looks and we just couldn't make them this game we just couldn't we couldn't really get a good look for a while um but you know like i i think it's fair to say um you know like this was the most pressure 
a lot of these players have felt in a long, long time. And probably for a lot of them, this is the most pressure situation they'll ever be in in their lives. You're undefeated going into the national championship game against a team that's been, you know, riding alongside your hip the entire season. Um, I think, I think there's something to be said about the moment just being a little bit too big for some of these kids. Um, And, you know, as one of the more critical Gonzaga fans, I, I, for a long time, I've been, you know, super, super harsh on, on these kids that are playing, but I'm finally starting to realize like, yeah, these are kids, they're humans, they're 18 year olds, they're 19 year olds and 20 year olds. Um, And so it, it's, it's life. Like they're human. That's, what's going to happen. Sometimes the moment becomes too big. Um, And I, I don't know, like, I think there's something to be said about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, those are all really, really good points. Um, I can just I can just run through these real quick. Just some notes to close out this Baylor game. Suggs had 22 points, uh, two assists, three rebounds. Um, we'll just run through this again. Um, you know, it's his last game as a zag. Hell of a way to go out. I thought he played his heart out. Um, we shot 29% from three. Definitely a low mark for us this season. Uh, 71% from the free throw line. I don't know about you guys. We had a couple chances to, you know, make the uh, deficit a little bit less with a couple free throws here or there, and we miss them. That was a little bit of a bummer, um, but it happens. And this is kind of the most appalling stat to me. Baylor had 38 rebounds and Gonzaga had 22. Uh, of note, Baylor had 16 offensive rebounds. Gonzaga had 17 defensive rebounds. That is horrendous. Oh, um, no. Oh, don't. I wish you guys could see Jake right now. He's oh, really He's reliving. <laughs> yeah, we got, I mean, I've already talked. Yeah. Look, there's, we have to address it. This is the elephant in the room. Look, at the end of the day, again, Baylor showed up wanting to punk us. They had the edge. And what better way than to get three offensive rebounds on the first freaking possession? Um, but it is what it is. It's in the past now. We can't do anything about it. Um, Let's just say the best year, is yet to come. The, the best is yet to come. The best Paige. is yet to Don't come. And next year we're going to have a little more length as Charles Barkley says. So let's <laughs> move gotta, on guys. We need oh. more Jimmy's and John's. We had <laughs> John's and maybe a Jimmy. We need Jimmy's and John's to win it all. <laughs> yes. So full season refuse got the wow. Full season review. Um, what's one moment you guys will remember the most besides the shot? I got, I got a pretty good one. And yeah, I, I, I thought about it uh, immediately yesterday, just because, I mean, we've mentioned, we've talked about Jalen Suggs so much on this podcast and, it, and it, the dude deserves all the credit in the world. And then some, he has now made the most historic shot in Gonzaga history um, in a game where we were just getting beat down by Baylor he was the guy who was just willing us to try staying there. And honestly, he kept it at least somewhat respectable. Um, in moments where he got like that and one and was firing up the crowd, I was like on the verge of giving up and he gave me a little spark <laughs> of life. Um, and so my, my one moment that I'll remember most is, is the first time we got a glimpse of Jalen Suggs and that alley-oop first point of this. I think it was the first points of the season, right? Or the second points? It was his first points for yeah, sure. I think it was our first points of the season as well. It, 
Maybe it wasn't because I think Kansas is just inbounded the ball. Oh, you're right. Yeah, it might have been like the second or third, but regardless, the Ayai or or Watson Ayai Ayai oop, Watson steal Ayai oop to mm-hmm. to Suggs. Um, and that's just a sneak preview of what this whole season brought. I mean, just hard nosed defense, great passing, and then Jalen Suggs being a dominant figure. My God, I mean, what what a guy who'll go down and and Gonzaga lore. Um, Oh, thank you for the memories, Jalen. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, I think I'll pick. I think I'll pick the Iowa game because I think, in retrospect, it's hard to remember that going into the season, we're like looking at the stretch of what, like six games against like four top fifteen teams. We're like, okay, like if we can just like only lose like one, you know, even if we lose two, not terrible, you know, we probably won't make it through this stretch undefeated, like. But it felt like after that Iowa game, after he had the COVID break, and we just came out and smacked him in the face, like that's when it felt like the, the, not the undefeated talk, but the like, goddamn these Zags are so good started. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, those are good memories for sure. Um, I'm gonna do a little bit of a fun one. I don't know about you guys, but the WCC play can get a little boring at times. But I remember watching this game with uh, AC, her family, and I think we were with Zane and Courtney as well, but versus University of San Diego. Game's going on. We're just chit-chatting. We notice, oh, Aaron Cook gets a steal. He's running down the court, throws an absolute hammer of a dunk down on the guy trying to make a block, and you're just like, oh, shit, that's our fourth guard. Um, Kind of a cool moment. Uh, The guy didn't get a ton of publicity this year. But just kind of one of those spokes in the wheel that pushes Gonzaga forward. Uh, Aaron Cook, heck of a player, was awesome to watch him play this year. Do you do you have a bulldog winner? Who who won the award? I'm not in the mental state right now to decide the bulldog. <laughs> you got to give me some time. Fair. Um. <laughs> I'll, I'll take the mic here. Um, I think the moments that stands out the most for me was uh, definitely the UVA game. I mean, more so because I was there, got to see this team play live, and just seeing Kispert and Timmy both just go off was really fun. I mean, we made light work of that Cavaliers team, and um, just seeing them play live and play together, pretty special stuff. And I'm sure Dan Contest, you saw them play this weekend and saw the, probably the best game ever, but – um, that game in particular, and yeah, just really, really cool to see. Yeah, Coop, you're right. I mean, just the simple fact that we got to see this team play live is something I'll always, you know, be grateful for. And part of why I decided I was full sending to go see Jalen Suggs in the Final Four, and Jalen Suggs gave me one of the coolest moments ever. But I'll go to a different uh, moment of the season. It's the Jalen Suggs BYU WCC championship takeover down the stretch paved the way for what we were going to see coming up in March. The dude had the greatest one year in Gonzaga history. I love Nigel Williams Goss, but Suggs is above him on the Mount Rushmore of all time Zags. Uh, just gave us everything we could have ever wanted. Um, and uh, just the dude is an absolute winner. I went absolutely crazy for him. When he left the court in tears, towel over his head with Mike Roth. Hopefully he heard me. 
I'm sure he did, Dan. We can't hear you anymore, but I'm sure that's because he could hear you. <laughs> All righty. Well, let's wrap this thing up. Prediction on who leaves for next year. I'll start us off. I think it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that Suggs and Kispert are gone. I personally believe Joel's gone. Um, I think he would be silly to come back just because his ceiling will probably never get higher as a draft pick. Um, I think a lot of teams are super interested in his skill set. And I think Timmy comes back. What do you guys think? Um, I'm going to be slightly more optimistic than you. I think Ayai and Timmy come back. Obviously, Kispert, Suggs gone. Hoping one or both of them go to the Warriors. So then um, when I'm watching the Warriors games anyway, because of Izzy, I, I have people to root for. Um, and I think Cook's gone too, just because I think he's – He's going to hang up his spurs. Yeah, I really hope Jalen Suggs does not go to the Warriors because I would hate to watch Warriors games and, like, root for them. I, they haven't been the Super Warriors in a little while now, so maybe it's okay. But uh, my predictions, Ayai, I, like, I, I think he's probably gone, right? I think it, it, he's been predicted first round so many times. I don't think his, dra- his draft stock is – gone down um and so i mean i I fully expect uh like kispert we we don't i won't even talk about kispert and suggs they're gone but like guys like ei timmy uh i i fully expect them to at least you know try out try out and see see what you know nba scouts and execs will will tell them um i i see a guy going timmy is an interesting one because the dude in my opinion uh did enough this tournament to show that holy shit this guy can hang with some legit nba talent all i destroying usc's evan mobley um that being said like i don't know how this baylor game uh affects some of these decisions i think you know we've already heard some chatter like online that you know a lot of these guys are rightfully so are really upset about this game um and maybe that gives them a reason to come back i could totally see timmy being one of those guys. I don't know how his game translates to the NBA. Um, I'd love to see him come back and maybe work on his, uh, work on his defense a little bit. And then also, you know, see that develop that shot that we've heard about for so long, but just have not seen. And I don't know if next year's team would even allow that. So that's something with cook. I mean, I, that's another one, like go get your money or come back and have one more run at like, at a national championship I, and ultimately he's got to make that decision but if i'm you know him i think it's kind of weird to come back at his age uh in that same vein winning a college national championship an ncaa tournament having that run again and being a bigger part of the team potentially next year would be um would be certainly prestigious to competing in europe i would think but i mean go get your money if you want your money i'm that's that's totally your your call and i'm cool with it Oop. um the order the order's tough <laughs> i think uh as far as like our fringe guys goes i don't need to touch on kisper and sucks but i i like to think that joel's gone i just don't think his draft stock improves if he comes back next year i think he's a fringe first rounder early second rounder um, 
but I expect him and both Drew to work out for NBA teams. I think Drew comes back. I think that Baylor game left a really bad taste in his mouth, and he will be the guy next year. I think someone – he's pretty much Luca Garza next year if he comes back. Um, so I think he's – that's something he's really interested in. I think he's itching to play in front of a full kennel. I think that guy wants to do the, the must-test wipe in front of a full crowd and um, just average 20 and 10. That's, that's, that's Timmy. And then um, I didn't realize that Nemhard, while he was at Florida, uh, tried out for NBA teams both years he was there. So that's something to keep an eye on. But I do think he comes back and he's our leading point guard. I think I agree with mostly everything here. Um, I do think Ayai certainly tests the waters and probably ends up going. Same with Drew. I, I think Drew could benefit tremendously from another year, uh, one in the weight room, just like athletically kind of tune him up a little bit for the NBA, see if he can step back and shoot some threes. But more importantly, give me a Drew Timmy revenge tour. I think he is so pissed about the way things went. Baylor abused him in the first half with the way they got him in ball screens and he was dancing around, spinning around. People on Twitter are hating on Drew Timmy. He is public enemy number one. Bring him back. Let's go. Let's go make another run at this thing. Uh, people are saying that Drew Timmy's going to be playing in China in five years. If you guys want to get pissed, search Drew Timmy on Twitter, and you find all <laughs> kinds of shit. On. People are so are hating on I want, him. I want Timmy to come back with a full Karnowski beard. Like, he's not playing around anymore with the Drew Manchu mustache. It's the, like, you know, the, like, Rambo. You go find him at, like, a cabin, and he's like, oh, I've, I've retired from that, but we need him for one last ride. This ride ends in cutting down the nets. Yeah, if if Drew, if Timmy comes back, he is the face of college basketball, right? Is there a bigger name in the country other than like some superstar emerging freshman like Cade Cunningham or Jalen Suggs? Other than that, I mean, Timmy is the face of college basketball, at least for non-freshmen. Yeah, you think had a pretty nice run in the tournament. He'll be up there, but I that is true. Timmy, Timmy is gone. College basketball. I think Drew Zhang's bouncing, dude. He's absolutely popped off. But one thing I want to say about just our prediction of who's staying, who's leaving, if Drew Timmy comes back, the future that we have next year, compare that to what things looked like in 2017 when we lost just about everybody. We didn't have those, like, key guys coming back. Yes, J3 came back, but Drew Timmy with Chet Holmgren possibly, Hunter Salas, Nemhard, like – the future is so bright. That's why for me, like, yes, it absolutely sucked what happened on Monday. But we're going to be back. The future cannot be better. And it is going to make everything we've been through so much sweeter. It's finally our turn. You know what would cure all of this is just a Chet Holmgren announcement. Like, yes. if he announced immediately after the game, I'd be like, fuck it, we're good. Let's, get, let's move on to next year. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, it's coming. It's coming got to be coming great note to end on you know it's pretty cool that there's a good chance if everything we think is going to happen we'll just leave it at chet uh committing and let's just say timmy returning like that team is ranked number one and unless they lose they'll stay number one and gonzaga could be ranked number one for two seasons um pretty cool opportunity there um but I think with that being said, we can close the chapter on that game. You know, the rest of our coverage will be focused on 
you know, what's going on in the transfer portal, the coaching carousel, things like that, all involving Gonzaga. But with that being said, let's move on to our final segment. Songs to listen to when you're sad. I'll lead us off. I'm going with a heavy hitter here. The Sound of Silence by Simon and Garfunkel. I don't know what it is. Always hits when you're sad. Don't know why. You also yeah, find like a weird amount of meaning like in yourself when you listen to it. I don't know what it is, but yeah, that's a great pick. That's a that's a that's a dark, dark, dark path you're going down. <laughs> that's how I felt. We were definitely the game. Garfunkel of Monday, by the way. <laughs> oh, excellent choice though. I'm gonna go a little bit more modern, but still not current era. I'm going uh, a little green day. Wake me up when September ends. I think it's applicable here too because that would put us right um, about when the next season college basketball starts. So that would be a nice time to wake up from this to get get it going again. All right, I'll take I'll take the mic. Um, well, for, first and foremost, let me let me throw out Zambies here. Um, uh, oh yeah, I'll throw. Out- Zambies, uh, my heart will go on. My heart will go on. So that's a that's another pretty sad one. Uh, but I, I went kind of different here. I, I did one. I did I got two. I did one that that keeps you sad, and one that brings you back to happy when you're sad. So first, I'll do the sad one. Um, this is kind of a throwback to our old uh, Desmet days, Coop and Dan, um, when we left for uh, summer break. That's when uh, Fast and Furious came out. The one with It's been a long day. <laughs> to my friends. Oh boy. I'll tell you all. <laughs> you again, baby. Little Charlie Pugh. Oh Puth. man. Love that song. Love Frozen Zane. Zane just teleported back to Sad Dismet. Zane. Is Zane back? Yeah. Zane, are you back? Dude, an absolute, an absolute freaking like just heart-wrenching song if it has any meaning to you whether it's paul walker or leaving to smith for the summer um so that 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 was my my sad one that keeps you sad uh my my sad one makes you happy just like listen to a little walking on sunshine when you're sad you can't help but to crack a little smile i'm walking on sunshine well, you could have played that song after that game i don't think i would have cracked a smile but i, <laughs> I normally i i i agree Um, I think that uh, leaves me. I'm going to go the uh, modern route here. I think I'm going to go with a little uh, Post Malone, I Fall Apart. Oh, not bad. Yeah, definitely uh, when you're down in the dumps, that song will just keep you there. <laughs> so, yeah, lock me in for that. And I'm but- liking our range right now. We really have a lot of a lot of different genres and eras for these sad songs. All right, mine is specifically for this instance of what happened on Monday. Katie and I forced ourselves to sit there in the arena, some of the only Zag fans left, watch the confetti, listen to Baylor go on and on about their title, and watch one shining moment. One shining moment is the one for me because going into this tournament, I envisioned what it was going to be like for us. Now 
I just can't get that vision out of my head. And it's going to be the greatest thing ever. And it's happening. So don't be sad, Zag Nation. It will be our time. I'm just picturing the Stefan Diggs video when he, like, the Bills lost and he, in the playoffs, that he's just staying on the field for motivation for next year. That was Dan and Katie. That was us. That was 100% it. And, and you know what? Oh, I'm going to cheer even harder next year. Exactly. Dan. You think After- I've lost my voice uh, today? I'm going to do this every single Zag game. 100%. Tarleton, <laughs> Portland. After 2017, I told myself, I'll be in the building when we win it all. Didn't happen in Indy. Next time we're in the Final Four, Kate and I are back. It's a promise we made, and the Zags are going to do it. So, boys, don't bet on the tournament that year. Save your money and come join me. I think that's what was off, honestly. I knew there was something off in the arena and, you know, in the air. I could kind of smell it. It's because the boys weren't in there supporting the Zags, but – um already boys i think we can close out the future's bright this was a little bit more of a dark episode for sure we try to keep it as optimistic as possible but let's be honest it's hard we had high expectations and the team they uh they gave it their all they came so close to what the goal the seemingly impossible goals that we had for them uh they came so close to accomplishing it and I'll pass it off to Dan for one more closing thought. Just how lucky are we that our team has played in two titles in four years? Just think about that. How many programs would kill for what we've done and what we're going to continue to do? It's nothing better than seeing us on the big stage. We're not going away anytime soon. I'm done. Mic drop. I'm going to go rest my voice for next year. Mike literally just dropped. Alrighty, boys. Well, hopefully next time we're all talking, we have a little bit of recruiting news, maybe some coaching carousel news. But until then, boys, ta-ta for now. Go Zags. Go Zags. Dude.